In the name of the true and living God, amen. Please be seated. I am right now preparing for a backpacking trip that I'll be partaking of this summer. Um, my daughter is in a Boy Scout troop, and yes, you heard that right. It, it is an all-girls Boy Scout troop that she's a member of, and, <clears throat> and the troop is planning a trip to New Mexico, which is going to be a major backpacking trip that everybody takes to a place that is called Philmont Scout Ranch. It's uh, 140,000 acres of wilderness. <laughs> 140,000 acres of wilderness with um, mountain ranges that you cross, with peaks that go above 12,000 feet, with bears and other wildlife, and it, it rains a little bit every day. Right now, the place itself is actually at risk of fire, but we are praying that the fires will stay away, and so far it's looking pretty promising. Um, but the thing is, if you're going to do something like that, we're going to be hiking for more than 60 miles. And so you have to do some training physically to be, to be prepared for your body to, to handle that. But we'll be out on the trail with two crews, with both scouts and some of us adult leaders, for 12 days. That takes training, too. Training your mind to be ready for the challenge of just being out there. No cell phones, no comforts. You, everything that you're going to need, you have to plan ahead of time and bring it on your back. And something really amazing actually ends up happening because uh, those of us who go, you know, you think about what are you going to take. You have a few different shirts to choose from or a bowl or a mug. You only take the minimal possible that you can get by with. And even beyond that, if you have like two different shirts to choose from, you weigh them and whatever weighs the least, every single ounce is gonna matter. And then once we get there and we get out onto the trail, there are some things that are shared for the whole crew. The big pots, there are gonna be two of those and someone's gotta carry one, someone carries the other. A few stoves, some canisters with fuel, tent stakes, all these things, we'll distribute them out. And if you were alone, it would be a totally different experience. This is a group experience where over time, because I've done this before, I know what happens and it's kind of incredible. Over time, when you're out there in the wilderness, you start to get attuned to one another. You start really paying attention because there will be times where somebody will have trouble. Somebody might be vul made vulnerable in some particular way. Maybe their gear will fail. Maybe somebody will get sick. And you're ready to support the person who needs that. And it becomes just a mindset. And when you get into that mindset, you find you actually become a better person. And the whole troop, the whole crew rather, is, is going to be doing that together. And then something else wonderful that happens is you start to trust and realize that others are looking out for you at the same time, that you are seen and you are being looked out for. So what I am describing, this experience of being out on the trail in the wilderness with other people that start to really support and trust each other, is pretty much the opposite of what is described in the gospel 
in this miracle story that we hear when Jesus goes to the pools of Bethesda and he heals the paralytic who has his mat. Um, because what we, what we read about there, it's a scene where there are people who are gathered around these waters that are supposed to bring them healing. And they're, the, these are really broken people. These are people who are struggling. And, and interestingly, if you think about it, the pools that are being described are right next to the temple. So that means that water, which is part of the system of the temple, that water is going to be used for the most sacred and important acts. The, the worship culture of the Jewish people, it's the center of the universe that's happening right there. The, the highest and most pure thing is surrounded by people who are the outcasts, people who are considered dirty and untouchable. They're surrounding that very same water. There's a part of the reading that we actually don't get today. Um, there aren't verse numbers. And by the way, don't open your um, bulletin. I, I've made that mistake before. If you look in your bulletin, you'll see. We'll look later because <laughs> then everybody will do it. Um, but if you look, there is a missing verse. It's verse 5. It, it skips from verse 4 to verse 6 because verse 5, if you look in a translation of the NRSV, it explains that this one verse has different language than the rest of the Gospel of John. And uh, some of the early manuscripts don't include it, so they leave it out. But in that verse, it talks about the healing power of the water. It says that an angel used to come and would stir the waters. And when the waters were stirred, that's when people wanted to reach and touch the water and get that healing. But it doesn't matter. What matters is that the water is what people were seeking. And this man, who had been paralyzed for 38 years, years, which is hard to imagine, whenever he would get up and try to touch the water, other people would get in his way. They would elbow him out. It's not a scene like backpacking in the wilderness, but it's unfortunately more of a scene like what we experience around us the way we live today. People will elbow each other out so they can get the thing that they desire or that they need without a consideration for those who get elbowed out. There's a little more to the story as well. In the King James Version of this, when Jesus goes to the man and says, do you want to be made well? The, the other translation, which I think gets at a truth that we lose in this more modern translation, is he says to him, wilt thou be made whole? to be made whole. We talk about healing. At the core, what healing is, is being whole. You can be a person who is physically healthy, totally healthy, and not be whole. I've also had the experience of being with people who were literally dying. Their bodies were literally in the process of dying, and yet they were whole at that time. To be whole is even more important than to be physically healthy. And there's more to that than that too. Individually, it is a goal for humans to be whole, but we as society too need wholeness. If there is a sickness that is needing healing, I think it's a shared sickness. 
One other important thing to point out, at the very end of the passage, there's just one sentence that mentions, and by the way, this happened on a Sabbath day. If you read the chapter five of the Gospel of John, it will go on and tell you more, because what happens next is Jesus gets in trouble, and even more so, amazingly, the man who picks up his mat and walks, he gets in even more trouble, which is just crazy. Um, so Jesus is in trouble because he just did a miracle on the Sabbath, and you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath, and he should have known better. But this man, remember, paralyzed for 38 years. He's not picking up a mat and walking at any other time in these last 30-plus years, but he picks up his mat, and he walks, and the, the religious authorities see that, and they say, picking up a mat? That's doing work on the Sabbath. Nobody's celebrating the miracle. They're criticizing him for not coloring quite within the lines. But if you go a little bit deeper, and you think about what is the Sabbath anyway? You know, remember, the Sabbath is the day that is dedicated to rest. It's more than that. The Sabbath is the day that's also dedicated to restoring balance. And it fits with rest, right? Because when we take that time intentionally to rest, to pray, to be with loved ones, you are likely restoring the balance in your life that you need. And what happens with this healing, Jesus is restoring the balance of health, and he's also restoring the balance of justice, creating a system a little more like what we are called to do and to be. And it is a message to us as well to look for where we need that healing and to where we can bring that healing and that wholeness to our world. So there is um, a story that I believe I've shared with some of you before but it's a story that stopped me in my tracks when I first heard it. And I heard this back when we were the height of the pandemic, sort of the early days. And you remember what those times were like when we were all in fear? Um, remember, I don't know if you did this or not, but shopping like the grocery store and then you leave the bags outside for a few hours before, or you, you're washing the food off before you actually put it out. Because um, we didn't know and there was just fear, but the thing about it was we shared that fear across pretty much everybody. And then the, this interview that I heard on the radio was a, a person who grew up in London. And he remembered during World War II when he was a child. And at that time when London was being bombed by the Nazis. And he, he talked about how during those times, and if you've been to London, if you've ever ridden the subway, which they call the tube, or the underground, it's very, very deep. So when the bombs were being brought down and destroying the city, what people would do is they'd go down into the tube and they would be with each other and wait for the bombing to come to an end. And he talked about what it was like and that when they were down there, and if you've ever been in, in those tunnels, um, you may have noticed that the acoustics are really reverberant and people would start to sing. And people, um, you know, we don't do that anymore, but back then, strangers would just sing with each other. And they would sing songs that they knew, some of those songs, of course, being hymns. 
And here's the thing that got me. When this person was recalling his early childhood memories, he said, those were some of the best moments of his whole life. You know, we um, are watching what's happening in Europe. We're seeing what's happening to people in Ukraine. The terror that occurs is being brought to light and reminding us of what people have gone through in the past and are going through now. You can imagine the terror of those people in London. But down way underground, even in the midst of hurt, there was wholeness. The healing pools in that place called Bethzatha, also known as Bethesda, they inspired this story of healing, inspired this place just to our north, Bethesda, Maryland, to take its name. And you may wonder, what does Bethesda mean? In Hebrew, the word Bethesda means house of kindness or house of grace. Jesus' healing of the paralytic shows how Jesus wants us to receive wholeness and to create wholeness. And I pray that if we follow his lead and his command, that we will make this world worthy of the name Bethesda, house of kindness, house of grace. Amen.